You're now Under Pressure. Under Pressure is a brief recurring podcast for busy clinicians, investigators, and trainees devoted to state-of-the-art prevention and control of blood pressure. We provide quick, lively, and accurate updates and reviews on important issues in hypertension management and prognosis from a multidisciplinary team of experts. Our hosts this week are Jennifer Cluett, Clinical Director of the BIDMC Hypertension Center at Healthcare Associates and a Certified Hypertension Specialist, and Ruth Alma Turkson-Okran, a faculty member in the center. We're delighted to welcome special guest Tim Anderson, another faculty member in the Division of General Medicine and a pharmacoepidemiologist. Welcome to all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. We have a great topic this week, a new paper about medications that may increase blood pressure amongst people with hypertension, authored by Tim Anderson. Tim, as our guest, let's start with you uh, and the paper you recently published about medications that may increase uh, blood pressure. We'll be putting a link to the paper, uh, which was published as a research letter in JAMA IM in the show notes. Tim, why don't we just start by asking, what did you look at? So we were curious to ask a question around, you know, things that can cause blood pressure that we might be able to reverse. And in this case, we're really curious about the question of how often patients are taking medications that raise blood pressure uh, for a variety of reasons. And we, we asked this question, uh, trying to look at national survey data to get a sense of really how it might affect the full population in the United States. So the, uh, as noted, you looked at the National uh, Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, which is a nationally representative uh, survey of Americans. Um, so the, the quality of the data seems like it would be very high. As we begin to look at the data, is there anything we should be um, that we should think about specifically in terms of how NHANES uh, collects medication data, or anything might bear on the quality of the data that we're going to be looking at? Yeah, that's a great question. I think NHANES is a typically in-person survey in which uh, the surveyors actually go into the homes of patients and ask them to show them their medications, which on one hand is really great for for the quality of medication data that you get. But on the other hand, they don't talk about over-the-counter medicines, which can be really important in terms of those that raise blood pressure, things like you know, anti-inflammatories as well as decongestants. And they also are really focused on medicines that patients have been using in the last 30 days. And so sometimes we are picking up medicines that may not be very, very long-term meds, but may be intermittently used. So with those caveats, and uh, and I think it's uh, really great to be able to understand kind of the quality of the data we've got, which is, as you noted, really high, given the fact that uh, interviewers are actually going uh to, uh, to individual participants to, to look at medications. What did you find? How common is it to be looking to, to be receiving uh, or to report at least receiving medications that may raise blood pressure? And, and I think we'll talk next about kind of the, the different classes. Yeah, absolutely. So in the full U.S. population, not just those folks with high blood pressure, about 15% of uh, patients or survey respondents reported using at least one medicine in the past 30 days that is associated with higher blood pressure. Amongst patients with high with hypertension, that was actually higher. It was about 18%, or almost one in five uh, U.S. adults with hypertension reporting taking medications that can contribute to their high blood pressure. And of those, that sort of one in five, how many are they typically taking? So the vast majority are reporting uh, one medicine, though the, the medicines that they use is pretty variable. Um, a smaller amount, so I think it was about 3 to 4% of folks with hypertension are reporting taking multiple medicines that can raise their blood pressure. Um, 
And now let's jump into the classes, Tim, because there's obviously a huge range of medications that potentially fit this bill. So what were your findings there? What are the classes that are being used quite commonly? What are the ones that are being used less so? And uh, I'm curious sort of how those rank in terms of the ones that we think are particularly bad for raising blood pressure versus the ones that are that are more modest. Yeah, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, in terms of background data, I think we probably have less data than we should about the exact blood pressure effects of many different medicines. We we based our study on uh, American College of Cardiology and American Heart Association guidelines, which have tried to kind of synthesize the evidence around medicines that can raise blood pressure. And so the most common classes that we saw in use were antidepressants and pretty much all subclasses of antidepressants except for SSRIs. Uh, have some associations with blood pressure elevation. And then non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medicines were pretty much the the two biggest classes in terms of common use. Um, Other, I think, important classes that uh, were a little bit less common are steroids and estrogens and stimulants. And there's a few that didn't show up in our data set, like decongestants is all that common. But again, since we didn't have over-the-counter medicines, we're guessing that particularly anti-inflammatories and decongestants are probably two where we're like, dramatically underestimating what could be pretty regular use in some patients. And at least in those cases, for things like decongestants, pretty clear evidence that they raise blood pressure. I know this isn't necessarily the ideal way to look at the question, but you also then tried to relate the use of these medications to how well blood pressure was controlled. Um, So what did you find there? Yeah, so, you know, while it's certainly not like a randomized trial or some sort of prospective study where we're looking at exact cause and effect, we we were curious whether simply being on these medicines was associated with a higher odds of having controlled blood pressure. So looking amongst patients who we knew already had high blood pressure. And what we found is among in patients who don't take blood pressure medicines, we saw a statistically significant relationship between using blood pressure, using medicines that raise blood pressure and having uncontrolled blood pressure. Um, and that was also a dose-responsive relationship with folks using multiple blood pressure-raising meds having higher odds of having uncontrolled blood pressure. We didn't see this relationship in patients who take blood pressure medicines, which we think makes sense um, in some ways. You know, If you're just simply taking more blood pressure medications to counteract the effect of these medicines, you may not see that relationship, but you may end up on more blood pressure medicines than you might actually need if you weren't taking these additional medicines. And so the kind of second part of our analysis was asking, are patients who take blood pressure medicines taking more of them uh, if they're also taking these different classes of medicines that may raise blood pressure? And we also found that to be a strong relationship that patients who had controlled blood pressure taking antihypertensives had to take more antihypertensives if they also uh, were taking these blood pressure elevating meds. And that to me is in some ways probably the, the most in, important piece of the study in that this is really suggesting that, you know, you could reduce medication regimen complexity for some patients while still maintaining blood pressure control. If you're able to get folks off one medicine that raises your blood pressure, you may actually be able to have them take fewer or lower dose antihypertensives, which is a bit of a win-win, particularly for our patients who are on many, many medicines for multimorbidity. As I'm thinking about going back to the different classes of medications, Tim, it may have been beyond the scope of the study, but do you have a sense for whether or not that second relationship, the fact that some of these medications are leading to both higher odds of uncontrolled hypertension and more use of medication, uh, is that consistent sort of across the, these classes of medications? Yeah, that's a great question. I, we didn't 
we didn't try to look at class specific effects. We probably could, uh, at least with antidepressants and anti-inflammatories. The other, the other classes, uh, the, you know, the sample sizes were small enough that it would be tough. But it's a great, it's a great thought because I think one of these challenges, right, is that we don't necessarily know the exact blood pressure effect of each of these medication classes, whether they're equal across classes or even if they're equal across individuals. Um, there may be a little bit of uh, variation between patients in terms of their individualized blood pressure response. And, you know, just sort of thinking about the difficulty, potentially, for example, of treating pain these days in individuals if we're going to take them off their non but we're also quite, I think, appropriately worried about opioid use. Um, you know, we sort of begin to run out of options after acetaminophen. So it's uh, uh, it'll be really interesting to see kind of what your findings uh, prove to be down the road on that. Building off of that, Jen and Ruth, I wanted to bring you into the discussion here. Do you have thoughts about how to approach this sort of issue? Um, when we see uh, patients, which is obviously very common based on Tim's data, that may be taking medications like these and either have uncontrolled um, blood pressure, but aren't yet on medication or are already on medication, but may not be well controlled. Um, or as he noted, may be controlled, but have to require multiple medications to do so. Um, I'll chime in to say that one of our priorities always is to reduce pill burden um, and to try to minimize the amount of medications that our patients are taking. Some of the medications that can raise blood pressure, as Ken and both both Ken and Tim alluded to, are a little bit easier to switch than others. Yesterday in our hypertension center, I saw a patient who was on three or four different classes of medications that could either raise or decrease blood pressure in variable ways, both over the course of 24 hours or, um, you know, in individual patients. Uh, some of those medications for this particular patient were related to a kidney transplant. And so um, cyclosporin, prednisone, um, you know, th these are just medications that we have to accept and work around from a blood pressure control perspective. Uh, in addition, this patient was on uh, duloxetine and a few other medications that could impact his blood pressure. It's oftentimes a clinical conundrum how to control blood pressure in the face of some of these other clinical scenarios. And we have to use as many lifestyle things as we can to minimize overall medication uh, burden. The pain uh, issue that you brought up, Ken, I find a fair number of patients have some benefit from topical NSAIDs, and so we'll at least try those for patients. Um, that's, you know, physical therapy, uh, other options to treat pain other than acetaminophen or opioids. We try to use as much as we can, but this is a real challenge clinically in our center and for many practicing clinicians. Tim, I just wanted to also, I guess, add this question, but it may you may have also addressed it in maybe other studies, but is there, I know this study was done with older adults, uh, for example, and um, in terms of the effects that you're seeing with um, antidepressants, are you seeing that also in other age groups? And is that consistent in the literature with it having elevation for you know, elevating blood pressure? So that's a great question. You know, this this NHANE study looked at at all all comers, all age groups from eighteen plus, um, and we certainly see greater rates of some of these medication uses amongst older adults, which which fits. I mean, older adults tend to use more medications than younger adults, but I think in particular, the the oral contraceptives and the antidepressants are, are classes that we see heavily used in younger adults, and there's probably room there, uh, particularly when we're thinking about you know 
patients who are not on blood pressure medicines to, to really think carefully before we say you need to start a medicine in your 30s that you might be taking 30, 40 years if it's all a medication effect. Pharmacoepi-wise, it's always a little bit harder to study younger adults because we don't have things like Medicare data to, to look at it with big data resources, but it's certainly something that can be done in local health systems, including our own. Thank you. <laughs> Tim, I want to uh, come back to you to wrap up. As we're thinking about this um, uh, this study, which um, once again uh, looked at national representative data over the last decade to help inform us on what medications um, people may be taking across the U.S. that may raise their blood pressure, um, what should we? What should our, our key takeaways be? Um, and equally, what are your next steps in this area? Yeah, great questions. I think you know one of the things that this study has sparked in my own clinical practice and, and in precepting residents is really trying to think about if you see folks who've had fairly stable blood pressure and all of a sudden they're not so well controlled, really thinking about, you know, could could the add of a new medicine or changes to their medicines be part of that driver? Um, and I, I think that's just as true for other factors like pain and things like that that can drive uh, kind of acute fluctuations in blood pressure. But really thinking about, you know, if we're seeing these changes going back to medications and not assuming that med lists or med use in patients is, is static from when they were first diagnosed with high blood pressure five or 10 years ago. And, you know, to the extent that sometimes we know that we need to start medicines that may raise blood pressure like antidepressants, I think there there is this potential role for thinking about using home blood pressure monitoring to actually see in an individual patient, you know, is this medicine causing enough of a problem that we'd be thinking about making a recommend change or, or just the same with other medicines that have all their class options like oral contraceptives where there's some pills that can cause blood pressure elevations and others not so much. So I do think, uh, you know, it makes me think about in my clinical practice, just when I'm seeing things not go according to plan, uh, often, often iatrogenic causes could be one of that one piece of that puzzle. And thinking back on these meds are really helpful for me and really helpful when I talk to residents about similar issues. You know, this whole study started actually being inspired by a different study that looked at the opposite problem, like the side effects of blood pressure medicines and when they sometimes led to people being on extra medicines to counteract their side effects like loop diuretics after a calcium channel blocker. And so continuing to think about the interplay between kind of the safest way to use antihypertensives while avoiding kind of medication overload is really where we've uh, planned to go with some of this work in the future. Really important stuff. Well, that was a really great discussion. Uh, and thanks, Tim, for your contribution to the literature. Again, we'll put the paper, which was published just in January 2022 uh, in JAMA IM, into the show notes um, so everybody can review it for themselves. To wrap up, let's recap our key hypertension highlights for the week. Jen, let's start with you and uh, to think about medications that may raise blood pressure, especially in people with hypertension. Thanks, Ken. Uh, this paper by uh, Dr. Anderson and Dr. Vitarello, who's one of the residents at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, really highlighted how important it is to look at medications other than the antihypertensive medications, uh, both chronically, but also in acute changes in blood pressure. And I take that with an eye to minimizing medication burden overall where possible. Thanks for listening to another edition of Under Pressure, the brief recurring podcast devoted to state-of-the-art prevention and control of blood pressure. For Jennifer Cluett and Ruth Alma Turkson-Okran, I'm Ken Mukamal, and you've been Under Pressure. <laughs>